Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. We will start with, uh, with chanting and we will start with chanting or singing or praying not with the name of God, because this is not the time to recite. It's not slichot. I mean, for you, it might be it's still morning. But for me, it's in between. It's not slichot time. And the, the, I would say the heart of the slichot service that Faradim started on Rosh Chodesh Elul and uh, Ashkenazim will start in the three weeks and will go until uh, Yom Kippur with, uh, is the proclaiming of the 13 attributes of, uh, of mercy, and uh, I'm going to give some teaching connected to it, but start, first we'll start with singing it. So I think, um, um, uh, I think that now we, I'll, I'll ask uh, Rabbi Rebecca to share screen because it will be easier for you when you have the words in front of you. And we will, um, and you know, if you can, if you know how to, Keep me like as a small uh, square or like that. That would be great. I'll be here. El Melech Yosheb al Kiserachamim. This is the this is the piyut. This is like the 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 song that starts uh, and before that that is precedes uh, the proclamation of the thirteen the thirteen attributes the thirteen midot. And many of you will will recognize. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll recognize uh, uh, it from Yeshua. We'll do it in the way that it's done in Ashkenazi Shuz. There's many, many ways that it is done. And uh, I, I was trying to aim at one that will maybe more familiar to you. Um, and El Melech Yoshev Al Rachamim. I'm not going to translate it because this is not what we're learning. We're just davening it in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way, just to get into the spirit of slichot. El melech yoshev al kiserachamim, mitnaeg v'chasidut mochel avonot amo, ma'avir rishon rishon, ma'arbe mechila lachataim, u'slicha laposheim, o'se tzedakot im kov basar v'ruach lofratam tilmol. El horet alanu lomar shelosh esreh, וזכור לנו היום ברית שלוש עשרה, כמו שהודעת לענב מקדם, כמו שכתוב, וירד השם בענן ויתייצב עם מושב, ויקרא בשם הוויה, ויעבור השם על פניו, ויקרא, and now join me because you know how to do that. Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum Vechanun, Erech Apayim, Verab Chesed Ve'emet, Noter Chesed La'alafim, Nose Avon Vafesha Vechata'a, so we have just proclaimed 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, merciful God, um, um, uh, compassionate God, patient God, full of uh, chesed, full of loving kindness God, full of truth God. Um, keeping the, the chesed, the loving kindness to thousands, carrying 
uh, iniquities, carrying uh, the sins, and and cleansing us. These are 13, so different ways of how we count them. I'd like to invite us to some quiet, like we can stop the screen share, we can look compassionately in everybody who's on the screen, we can close our eyes and sit for a moment in this 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum Bechanon, Erech Apayim, Erev Chesed Be'emet, Nocer Chesed La'alafim, Nose'avon Lofesha, Lechata'a, Venakim. El Rachum Bechanon, Compassionate and Merciful God. We come before you today to proclaim your qualities. to invite some understanding. Am I asked to do something? What does that have to do with my teshuvah? So we're asking for your compassion on us and your mercy upon us and to open understanding, to learn your Torah and to come before you in full repentance with your Vashalema. Amen. What is the story of those 13 attributes? Where did they come from? Where did we, uh, where did we discover them? Uh, we, got, we discovered the 13 attributes of mercy after the biggest sin that uh, we have seen in the desert, the sin of the golden calf. We have just received Torah. Moshe is very excited. He's coming down the mountain with the tablets. Yes, and he's ready to give us Torah. And um, what happened? What happened in the time, between the time that Moshe came up and Moshe came down? What happened? We have uh, felt so insecure with the absence of Moshe and with not being able to transform into the first commandment uh, um, reality of you shall have no other gods and no, no idols and nothing like that, which we said, yes, yes, we'll go for it. But the first opportunity we had, 40 days of a little bit of uncertainty or maybe not so little bit, the desert is a tough place. And then we have seen exactly, we went on the first commandment that we accepted upon ourselves. And Moshe comes out with the tablets and we are dancing around. And Moshe breaks the tablets and things goes really, really badly because we had a brit. We had a covenant with the divine, the, 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 the covenant of Sinai. And we signed on that covenant and we should have been in big trouble. And God says to Moses, Okay, I guess that's it. You know, I said I'll kill them and then I'll go kill them. And Moshe says, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something has to happen here. You know, there is like Moshe being like an in-between between the God who's thinking like, okay, there is Dean. There is, uh, there is judgment. I need to do things according to the letter of the law. And Moshe understanding human uh, follies. 
and uh, he's going up and we have lots of lots of midrashim that tells us how he's doing it and throwing himself on the floor and crying for 40 days and 40 nights and he said um, we cannot keep the world standing on this judgment alone that doesn't work that way you have to come up with a, basically Moshe is in my words saying to God you have to come up with a different way of of, of, uh, of covenanting with us beyond the Ten Commandments. That's too tough. That's too harsh. World cannot stand on judgment alone. And that's, um, you know, let's let, and then he says this Pasuk in, in his passionate, uh, in his passionate speech to God, he said, and if I found grace in your favor, please teach me your ways, and I shall know you. So this is what God, Moshe is asking God. He said, teach me your ways. I want to know you. And then I'm fast forwarding the story. God says, you know what? Why didn't you stand up in a, in a cleft of the mountain and I will go by you? And this is what we've just been touching, chanting together from the Slichot. I will just, by I'll go by you and I will call up. And, and you, you won't be able to see my face. I know you want to know me. You can't see my face. Nobody can survive seeing my face, but you'll see my back. And then what happens? And as God passes over Moshe and he's in the cleft and he's in the, in the, in the in the tzur, in the, in the rock, God is proclaiming these 13 attributes of mercy. That's what he says. And this is what we've just been chanting. So you'd have Ave passed before him and proclaimed. And just in brackets said, it says, and proclaimed. And we don't know who proclaimed. Was it God that proclaimed? Or was it Moses that proclaimed? And said, Vaikra, and he proclaimed. And I think there's a wonderful modern midrash that Leonard Cohen wrote when he wrote, And who shall I say is calling? Who shall I say is calling? And who by fire, which is his retake on the Natana Toket, all connected. And then he's calling Adonai, Adonai, El Rachum, Vachanun, Erech Hapayim, Verav Chesed, Vahmet, Notzer Chesed, Lalafim, Nose Avon, Vafesha, Vachata'a, Venake. Actually, it continues. It continues, Venake, Loinake, Poked Avon, Avot, Albaniv, Valshirashi. It continues with some revenge things. But when our sages came up with understanding what are those 13 midot, what are those 13 attributes, they cut them after Venake. And instead of God will not keep you clean, but will keep the memory of the sins for some generations, uh, Chazal, the sages, says, no, venake, and he will clean you. I would say an extremely audacious, classical Chazal uh, move of cutting things where the things that needs to be cut. And then there's many, many ways, because we're Jews, there are at least, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, probably more ways of counting how it is 13. But everybody knows it is 13. And the 13 are all understood. And then, you know, as I said, one of the things we did was cutting. But they all 13, they understand them as uh, attributes of mercy. 
They said, Yudha Vavhe, the name Yudha Vavhe in itself is the name of mercy. Elohim is the name of Deen. Yudha Vavhe is the name for mercy. And then there's another one. It's proclaimed twice. It's actually the only place in the Bible that when we have two, the two names of uh, the, the two tetramagons, tetramagons, you know what I mean. Tetragrammaton. <laughs> yes, thank you. One after, usually we call it Hashem Elohim. This one we call it Hashem Hashem. It's the only, only time in the whole of the Mikra. That's a tradition. And then he said, El is a name of, of mercy. Rachum is compassionate, of course. Hanun is, uh, is a, um, merciful. Erech uh, long suffering. Rav Chesed with plenty of loving kindness. Ve'emet. And then he gets stuck and he said, oh, emet is truth, a compassionate word. And then they work it out. They'll find out how truth is a compassionate word. Notzer Chesed la'alafim, keeping compassion for thousands. Nosea avon and caring, caring for you. Meaning being patient, not getting you back for your avon v'afesha v'chata'a. The three words for sin. Yeah, I don't know what is, uh, Rebecca, what's the way that you are, uh, you know, they said, uh, how they call it? Iniquity, disobedience, sin. I don't know. I don't know if this one, it's just the three words of sins. Avon, Vapesha, Vachata. These are, you will find them all over. Venake, and he will get you clean. So we have those. And then, why are we using them in our, in our uh, services all the time? What's the story of that? So in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, in Tract Rosh Hashanah in the Bavli, it says uh, in Amud Daf Yud Zayin, in, in, in the 17, page 17, it says, you know what happened when Moshe went up to heaven? I'm going to tell you something, but if it wasn't written, I don't think I could have said it. In Malay Mikra Katuvi which is a, a, a disclaimer that they put in every time they are using anthropomorphic language for God, and they say, oh, well, that sounds something that I shouldn't have said, but I'm going to say it, which means it's the mystical knowledge, the mystical knowledge. So they, they're whispering it to us, and they said, you know what? You know what happened? God wrapped God's self in a white talit, like a shaliach zibur, like, like a prayer leader. Just like a prayer leader, God was wrapping God's self in a prayer show. In another place, they said, you know what is this prayer show made of? Tell me, what do you think? Give me your guesses. What is the prayer show? What is God's prayer show made? You know, if you know, if you think you know, unmute and say it. What do you think is God's prayer show made of? Wool. I can't hear. Wool. 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 Wool, ours is made, okay, that's a good idea. Not what they say, but yeah, keep going, you know. There's no right or wrong, they're just whether you think what they thought or not. It's their imagination. God's prayer show. Human prayers. Human prayers. Who you human prayers, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, you're writing your old midrashim, that's beautiful. So human prayers, I think another midrash will say it. But not and not this not this particular one. Clouds. More, give us more. Love. I was going to say humans. Clouds. Humans, human prayer, love. Okay, keep going. I mean, Clouds. I love those. Clouds. 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 Oh, and then they Wow. 
Yes, that, that could have been. Keep going. Respect. Nice. More. I'm trying to get to what they were saying. What about our tears? I think it's great that you're giving us a tears. The tears, we have another one. The tears, we have the gates of tears. But what's the prayer shawls is made of? One, two, three, one more guess. Mitzvah. Mitzvah, nice. Mitzvah. It actually says light. Ah. It says God, pressure is light. And this is why Reb Zalman, my teacher, when he designed his uh, talit, he made it in the three, uh, in the seven, uh, in the, ra- the rainbow talit, because he said, that's how light is through, uh, through uh, when you break light, you get the seven rainbow colors. So the rainbow, rainbow talit of Reb Zalman is based on the, the Midrash. So God is wrapping God's self in the talit. And he shows Moses the order of tefillah. And he shows him, he said, you're going to proclaim those 13 attributes of mercy and I will forgive you. That's it. And he said, Brit midot he said, it's a covenant that I'm now um, uh, signing with you with the 13 attributes of mercy that they'll never come back empty. So the Brit Sinai, right, the covenant of Sinai didn't work so well. We broke it very fast. But after the repentance and repentance of the people and the and intercessory work of Moses, uh, it is, uh, it is uh, it's a new Brit. I would say a more compassionate breed, a breed that maybe we are able to keep too. It's full of God, full of God being ready to be compassionate to us. And then we go with that. And then there's some sages. This is uh, brought in the name of the Geonim, the sages of the 10th, 11th century. And they say, really? I mean, is really like that? I mean, we've been reciting this lichot for many, many years, and we've been shouting, Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum Echanun, if you're a Sfaradi, it's, uh, it's uh, five times every lichot service, and if it's Ashkenazi, it's four times, but if it's uh, on Eila, it's seven times, so it's many, many, many times. We do it, we shout it, and we call it, and we proclaim it, and we see that we are not answered every time. That's one question. It's like, hey, you've given us a tool, but it's broken. But the deeper understanding of the Geonim is like, what does it mean? It's witchcraft. God has given us something. You press the button, you mumble the magic 13 words, and, uh, and it's, and it's going to work. Something is missing here. What is missing? What is missing is the moral, of, moral understanding. And the Rambam, the Maimonides is saying, he's not so much into anthropomorphism. He wants to go to be like cleaner and more abstract. But what he says, all the others says. They said, God has given you these attributes for you to practice them. You should be practicing these attributes. Only when you are coming into prayer fully versed in being compassionate and merciful and patience and long-suffering and full of 
chesed. Only then you are, um, you can be part of this breed, part of this covenant. This is, this is what, uh, what, what I can do. And I would like to ask uh, uh, Rebecca to share screen. Because, uh, and go down, go down, go down until Dvarim Yud Yud Bet. Go here. We are. Good. And then there is a, a, another level of a question. Before we get to the, some answer, understanding, there's, there's another level of question. First, witchcraft. Second, what does it mean for us, for our moral claim to do things? And then they have another question. They said, and now after the psukim that I already shared with you, there's another one from Deuteronomy 10, 12. It's a very famous pasuk. You must have heard it many times. Now, Israel, what does Yudevava your God require of you? But, it's not so small, this but, Kiim, to be in awe of your devourer, your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve him and with all your hearts and all your soul. So you can say, well, that's immense, but that's not what the Midrash in Sifri is worried about. What is worried about is like, how can you go walk in God's ways? He said, there's God and there's us. God is very different from us. God is a different substance from us. God is a different level of us. What does it mean that I can walk in, in, in the way of God? This is impossible. And another Midrash has said, but it also says God is fire. I cannot walk in God's way because I will be consumed by the fire. And now he's giving, bringing a pasuk from uh, Yoel that says, everybody, whoever will call on the name of Yudavava shall be saved. And he said, oh, how can you utter the name of Yudavava? You know, it's unutterable. So what, what are you talking about? There's such a substantial difference between us and the divine. This is impossible. What is Dvarim is asking of us? And this is a Midrash that is, will repeat in many, many ways. And I would say this is the answer for all the questions that we brought. And they say, Nikra hamakom rachum af God is called compassionate. You also be compassionate. Is the Holy One, blessed be, is called merciful? You should also be merciful. As it says, Yudavave is gracious and compassionate and merciful. And you should give unconditionally. This is a play on the word that Hanun, merciful or full of grace, is, come, is, is coming from the same root, chen es chinam, which is free. So you should give free gifts. You know, don't have like, okay, tit for tat kind of things. Just give. Just like God. Nikra makom tzadik. Shenemar ki tzadik Hashem tzadakot ahev af atah ye tzadik. God is called righteous. You should also be righteous. Nikra hamakom chasid af atah ye chasid. God is called merciful. I think before it should have been grace, graceful. Hanun should be graceful, not merciful, because otherwise we're too merciful. God is called merciful. You too be merciful. So here is an invitation for something that we see in other religious traditions as well. I guess we can stop the screen share. 
and thank you. And uh, and it is uh, and it's called Imitatio Dei, uh, imitating God. We look at God and we see God's attributes. It's not like we can be like God. We can walk in God's way by being like God. Now, mind you, notice the fact that they don't say, "Well, God is angry, so you should be. You should be angry." God is Hashem. God is vengeous. You should be no. They pretty much we can choose what they do. That that is you know in a longer class so we could discuss those things. It's a very interesting uh, way to work with work with uh, the material. But uh, but that is uh, that is an invitation that is very very strong in our tradition to do the work of Elul. There is a book that uh, that is called Tomer Devorah, the Palm Tree of Deborah. Maybe you write it in uh, Rebecca. Write it in the chat so people can see it. You can find it in Safaria and everywhere translated to lovely English. This is a thin book of a Kabbalist of the 16th century, uh, Rabbi Moshe Cordovero. But is uh, it's it's a it's a Kabbalah for the masses. It's not uh, it's not uh, difficult. Mostly, it's not difficult to understand. Definitely, definitely, if you read with translation, and he goes there through the 13 attributes and also through the 10 sefirot and say how you in your own life can become like the God. What is, what does it mean to be merciful? What does it mean to be long suffering? And he explained it to us and give us exercises. It's like really deep Musar exercise. It's one of the basic Musar books, not from the later Musar movement. It's early, 16th century. And in the yeshivot, they, uh, it's uh, customary to study this book during the month of Elul. And if you are, uh, uh, you know, it's not a thick book. So it's not like, my God, I'll never finish it. You can definitely take it on. I recommend it as a practice, even part of it, even just a piece of the 13 Midot. And, and study it by yourself on the Chavruta. I said it's very short. And, uh, and, and see some classical text about how do I become like God? How do I emulate these? Can you, I want to on, open to some just a second. I want to open yeah. to some questions, reflections uh, before I'm going to share with you the Balshim of teaching. Can you just say the name of it one more time? I'm trying to find it on Tomer Devorah, the Palm Tree of Deborah. You can't find it on by Cordovero. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find it on Safaria, so you I can, can find it on Safaria. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, if people have questions, well, I'm trying to find that on Safaria. Um, if you can just either raise your hand physically or raise your virtual hand, it'll be easier for us to not talk over one another. Um, I will but, call. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I am uh, Zoom savvy. If you wanna, it, uh, it could be a question or it could be, uh, it could be a comment. So either raise your hand or raise your virtual hand. Uh, and those of you, those of you who are, uh, you don't see your video, you will need to, uh, you know, you can unmute, you know, if you cannot show your video, just unmute yourself and I can see that you're looking. So Ilana, please. Uh, thank you so much for this teaching. I was just, uh, noting that when Moshe is more distant from God, it seems from this telling is when he receives judgment and it's when Moshe is in the cleft and gets close to God, then God, then Moshe and, and Klal Yisrael 
you know, receives mercy and compassion. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. I want to add to it. Somebody before said, what's is God's talit, the cloud. So yes, it's another thing. It's like God is in the, uh, Moshe is in the cloud and the cloud of intimacy. Yes. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful insight. Yes, more. I mean, like it's evoking all kinds of things. He, I mean, you can say, oh, that's beautiful, but you can also say, oh, I don't like it. it I'm not just expecting people to quell. Okay. If you, if you want to say something, Okay, questions, comments, insights. Uh, Ziki. So, so when, when you were talking about those uh, 13, uh, 13 requests or whatever we call them, so it seemed to me like it's all words uh, and, and no, no ta'aseh, just nishma. Na'aseh nishma. So it all sounded to me like the nishma part, not the na'aseh part. And then you, then you explain how we should be like, like Hashem. And that made a lot more sense to me than just the words, you know, here without doing, because I don't, I don't think God wants us to, to just talk. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I've read some places where I think it was uh, uh, Jeremiah or, or Yeshaya or somebody was saying that God doesn't need all your, <clears throat> all your korbanot, doesn't need all your singing, doesn't need all your, just follow the Torah and that's enough for Hashem. <clears throat> so to me, it's more, what you do as opposed to what you say. Uh, that's beautiful. I just want to, uh, to be uh, more exact about the quote you brought. It is Isaiah. It is the reading. It is the, uh, it is the haftarah of, min, of, 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 uh, of Yom Kippur. And it says, I don't want your korbanot. I want you to do chesed. Yeah. So, so this is actually what, what you were thinking. It's even saying more of what you were hoping than what you thought. <laughs> Very much so. Yes, Bob. You have to unmute. There you go. go. Okay. I have like a radical interpretation, which is we're told that we are in the image of God. But who is we? It's not just we adults. Children are in the image of God. And children are shaped by what they hear people say about them. And so it feels to me like when we recite these 13 attributes, the child aspect of Hashem is getting reinforced, all of this mercy and all of this goodness. So that's radical because some people say nothing we can say or think affects the future of God. But I'm not sure about that. Okay, I'm not going to say anything about it because the Baal Shem Tov will. <laughs> so wait a few more seconds yes I can take one more comment before I'm going to give the Baal of a voice uh, if anybody else would like to say something okay I guess you want to hear the Baal Shem Tov. <laughs> that's good so we're doing fast forward into the 18th century uh, into the Baal Shem Tov, the master of a good name. We know he's called the founder of Hasidism. Uh, you know, we don't know if he had an idea that he was finding, find, not finding, founding anything. Uh, the Baal Shem Tov was an oral teacher, very charismatic, very much into the word. The word was very important for him, uttering words, listening to words. Uh, and his students wrote 
what he said. Actually, uh, we only the one one thing that we have written by him is um, is a letter, a letter that he sent to his brother-in-law, which is a very important letter with some mystical teachings and uh, dreams and um, Hasidim love it. But all his teaching, he didn't write books. So everything that we hear, what we have, we talked about listening and hearing. We're going to be listening to um, into uh, the Talmud. Uh, I would say one of the prime Talmudim, the, the first one who uh, actually wrote books quoting the Baal Shem Tov, and this Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Polnoy. Um, and every time in his books, and he was he wrote many books, and uh, and every time he quotes. The Baal Shem Tov, he said, Shamati Mimori, I heard from my teacher. Just, just hearing the word Shamati Mimori is giving, giving me a sense of uh, open-hearted. So I want to do uh, this Naseh Nishma or V'chol Ha'am Roim Et Akolot. I'd like to do some dual things. What I will ask Rabbi Rebecca is to bring in the English. I will read the Hebrew and you will see the English at the same time. Um, so go down, go down, jump the Hebrew. I'll read them from my own text. And yeah, and you have here, you might need to make it. Okay, you'll, you'll go with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. And I want, I want you to hear the Hebrew because it's very, very poetic. And then we will go over it and, and unpack it more, even though there is a translation here. Unpacking is called for. So uh, Bob said he has radical, radical teaching. Uh, so was the Baal Shem Tov, very, very radical. שמעתי ממורי שרוב אנ ותנותו של האדם גורם שמצד שפלותו אינו מאמין כי האדם גורם על ידי תפילתו ותורתו שפע אל כל העולמות וגם המלאכים ניזונים על ידי תורתו ותפילתו שאילו היה מאמין זה כמה היה עובד השם בשמחה וביראה מרוב כל. כך האדם ראוי לשום לב ולומר, כי הוא סולם, מוצב ארצה, וראשו מגיע השמיימה, וכל תנועותיו ודיבוריו והילוכו ועיסוקיו שיהיו לשם שמיים. מה שאין כן שחושב האדם, מה אני ספון, we're a little bit before that. I think we're in the bottom here. Ah, sorry. It's, it went into the next page. ככה אדם, אילו היה מאמין בזה, כמה היה עובד השם בשמחה ובירה מאוד כל. ככה אדם ראוי לשום לב ולומר, כי הוא סולם, מוצב ארצה. וראשו מגיע השמיימה. וכל תנועותיו ודיבוריו, והילוכו ועסקיו, I'm repeating, שיהיו לשם שמיים. מה שאין כן כשחושב האדם. מה אני ספון לפגום או לתקן למעלה ולמטה, שיהיה נרשם כל עסקיי למעלה? ובזה הולך בשרירות ליבו, ואומר, אך שלום יהיה לי. ובאמת זה אינו. כי האדם על ידי מעשיו הטובים הוא דבוק בו יתברך ממש, שכתוב והלכת בדרכיו, ועל ידי שהוא רחום מלמטה, נתעורר מידה זו רחום למעלה בכל העולמות. 
this needs some unpacking. And uh, the way I set up the, the in, two, in two columns is not a good idea. If you can, uh, if you can, uh, get, let's, um, you know, we'll, we'll unshare and maybe you can make it in one column. Yeah, sure. Because it's confusing. And I'll, and, and I'll explain because you've seen, now you listen better. So what says the Baal Shem Tov? Or Shamati Mimori, I heard from my master, the Baal Shem Tov. He said, you know, many times teachers and preachers says that what's your problem? Your problem, they say to the congregation, your problem is that you're too vain. You're too haughty. You're full of gava. You all think that you are so great. But the Baal Shem Tov is saying exactly the opposite. You know, he said, you know, what's your problem, community? Your problem is that you're too humble. You're so humble that you think you makes no difference in the world. You think that what you do has no meaning, has no influence, and it's just nothing. You make no impact. And he said, you have no idea how powerful humans are. Each and every one of you, says the Baal Shem Tov, through your tefillah and through your Torah and through your way that you deal in the world, you bring shefa, you bring sustenance to all the worlds, not to the world, to the worlds, to the level of humans, and even to the world of the angels, which is above the world of the humans. Just through your Torah and filah, and then you'll see, then he says again, and through your deeds. So first, I want to invite you to take a deep breath and take it in. Because I don't know if you knew that about how powerful you are and how influential you are. And maybe you are like the best students. Maybe you are hum- humble. You are these humble people that think, makes no difference what I do. And he says, I want to tell you, it makes a big difference of what you do. But he said, But if you all believed in it, you would be worshiping the divine. You will be offering divine service with so much love and awe. You'll be so like full of excitement about your ability to be influential on the divine realm, on all the realms, that you'll be so full of joy and awe because this is the two wings of uh, tradition, love and awe or joy and awe. And he said, let me give you a metaphor. You know who you are like? You should take into your heart and you know, you are a ladder. You are a ladder. You remember Jacob's ladder that starts from the earth and goes all the way to the heaven? You are like that ladder. You are here on earth, but your head reaches the heavens, the and now he says, you should know that everything that you do can be for the sake of heaven. Before he said, your Torah and your tefillah, your study and your, and your study of Torah and your prayers. But now he's saying everything. All your movements. Everything that you say. The way you walk the world, 
means your ways. Remember, lalechet vidrachav, walk in his ways. The way you walk the world, the way you walk your talk. Right? Divurav, your talk. Hiluchav, your walk. Ve'asakav, and your business dealings. Everything that you do in the world, every interaction that you have, everything in your body can be for the sake of heaven. Wow. That is amazing. Really? And he said, but if you don't do that, that means you, you know, if you don't believe it, you harden your heart. For he said, I don't care about the effect I have on the world, on the world, on the world. When he does this quote, it refers to a place when people say, uh, oh, there's a famine. I don't care. I have enough grains in my uh, storehouse. Shalom, Eli. I'll be in peace. That's all I care about. So he said, you don't know. I mean, it's a very deeply deep ecology teaching as well. But um, I'm taking it now into Rosh Hashanah understanding, and you have like the deep ecology teaching. Everything you do affects what's around you. And if you do it for the sake of heaven, then you will bring sustenance to the world. What are we doing in this beginning of the year? We do the Teshuvah and we ask for forgiveness and then comes uh, uh, Sukkot and we pray for the rain. We pray for the rain, which is, is the symbol of praying for sustenance. We're praying that everybody, and in Sukkot, it's not just us and Am Israel, even in our very ethnocentric tradition, Sukkot is the time when you pray for all the nations of the world, like uh, specifically. It's very, very clear. In traditional thinking, in the Beta Mikdash, okay, in the temple, they would have 70, uh, 70 sacrifices that were the symbol of the 70 nations. So we pray for the world. Baal Shem Tov says, not just the Savannah beast, you know, even the angels. Everything that is, exists in our work, we're going to do that. And now we're going to go into the Midot. That is the last, that's the last part. And I think that's where he ties it into what we've been talking about. This is not the way it works. We are not separated. We are not different in essence from the divine. It's not like what we do doesn't have an effect. And Bob, thank you. You are a Talmud of the best. <laughs> because you totally got it. Each and every one of us, when we are acting in a proper way, in a good way, what's happening is we create, it, you create, you, you become, um, um, there's a cleaving. You're cleaving to God in such a way, like you like you glued, you become one. You become one with God. You're of the same, you're, you're, you're chip of the old block, you come back, you know, together with the block. As it says, remember, is it written that you walk in God's ways? And Chazal told us, what does it mean God's ways? If he's compassionate to you, also be compassionate. He said, ah, let me tell you, it's turning the other way. Al when you are acting compassionately down here, this is awakens the 
divine attribute of compassion up there in all the worlds. And my metaphor that I was thinking about is like, how do you tune a symphonic orchestra? One violin, start playing, right? This is us, each and every one of us is one violin. Now by playing the right tune, the whole, the whole room gets tuned in. The whole orchestra, all the worlds gets tuned in, in that way. And when I am compassionate, this compassion will happen. It's like God will just have to be compassionate if I'm compassionate because God and me are one. So how can God be not compassionate if I'm compassionate? It just, we're just going to play the same note. And when I'm merciful, that's what's going to happen. And when I'm patient with people around me, God just has to be patient. Not because it's not tit for tat. It's because we're in oneness. We're in an embrace. We became one. The bitvekut in, 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 in this clinging, cleaving thing. And then this midah of rachum, Hashem, Hashem, El, rachum v'chanun, I'm going to bring into the slichot my process of teshuvah. And every day I can work on one or a little bit. I'm going to be a, a bit more compassionate. And it's not just me. I'm not the only one playing the orchestra. All of you are. And all the people in your communities. Because you know that if you're compassionate at home, people are starting to be compassionate. You know that if you're patient with your friend, they're patient back with you. You know that when you're long-suffering, it's happening around you too. We know that. It's, it's working in a psychological level. Baal Shem Tov tells us it's working also on the human divine level. Here, I read it in English. For through your positive deeds, you veritably cleave to the Blessed Holy One, as it is stated, and you should walk in God's ways. And when you are being compassionate in this world, you arouse, you arouse the divine attribute of compassion in all of the worlds. So I want to, I'm going to open for questions and reflections in a minute, but I'd like, as we are in that beautiful words of the Baal Shem Tov, I want to bless, bless us um, with the great compassion to ourselves in our work on becoming more compassionate. And, uh, and knowing that every tiny little attunement that we'll do, to any of the midot throughout this work is just going to create a more expansive, compassionate, divine hug to, towards us. So I want to bless us that we'll have the koach and the patience and compassion and the mercy to do the work on becoming compassionate and merciful and more patient. <laughs> And I want to thank and bless you for joining us. I want to open the field for, uh, for questions and uh, 
remarks um, we hear in listening and in gratitude. Thank you, Rabbi Ruth. And it's just such a, a really thoughtful way for us to engage with those 13 attributes in a way that I'm sure many of us have not thought of them before when we're just singing along in shul. Um, lots to think about, lots to really mull over and use uh, in, our, in our own reflections towards the Yamim Noraim. Yes, Rabbi Cantor Shorney has a question. My Bima partner and friend. Rabbi Ruth, thank you for the the blessing of uh, your blessing today and your text. I think that there's a beautiful irony in learning your teaching after a week of uh, learning about anava, about learning about humility, because I'm thinking about now the boundaries of humility in a new way. And I'd like to know now at the end of learning that, especially that last piece of text, what do you think these texts have to say and what do you have to teach us about the bounds of humility? When are we being too humble so much so that we are not helping the people around us at a certain point? When are we failing to actually um, contribute to the fabric of the humanity around us because we're being too humble and we are forgetting to contribute to the vibrations of the world around us because we're just holding back at a certain point uh, because we've been I've been thinking I've been delving into that that theme of anava of, of humility so much and appreciating all the teachers who've been teaching us about that humility but now I'm thinking about the boundaries of it so what can you teach me about that the bounds of that I, I think you said it and the Baal Shem Tov said it um, um, I'm actually I wasn't uh, I forgot that I came after the week of Anava, and I want to tell you that I actually had a different text to teach. And this morning when I said, this text was like, no, you're teaching me. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be humble and take, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's really true. Like, you know, we, we usually think that, uh, that uh, humility is uh, the best. And then, then he used the words. He said, uh, you, tell, you, you know, too much, uh, too much Anava. He said, "Rov anvetanuto, you know, too much anava, too much humility, too much humility, and this is not something we usually think about." And uh, and um, um, I can see that the people said basically said like, "Who am I? Who am I to be changing the world? Who am I to be?" I mean, you can use it as a, also as a as a text to encourage people for. Uh, civil disobedience and for uh, moral courage uh, on other in other uh, opportunities because like really thinking that I'm too humble can stop you from actually doing your job in this world and here he doesn't say oh you're too humble you should be a leader he said no you should be a violin playing compassion so it's not like don't be humble be uh, you know full of ego and full of hot air not exactly so, uh, but the way you put it, you put it so beautifully. I, I say amen. Gal, it looks like you have a question. Uh, I don't have a question. I just was thinking about something. I'm kind of like new to all this, uh, to, to learning, but, but the whole theme of Avinu Malkenu, you know, connects really well with what you just said, Rabbi. Uh, obviously the son and father relationship in DNA, 
composition. And, and we also thinking about Malkenu as part of the, the world we celebrate, you know, let's don't forget, we celebrate the rebirth of the world is a Yom Huledet to the world. So obviously we also human, we're praying for humanity, we're praying for people and, and the connectivity of, of, of human being is so important, not only to, to one another here, but also has an impact in the heaven. And I think, as you mentioned, as we uh, try to uh, resemble the, the attributes of God, obviously, when we connect to people um, with those attributes, um, God's, God's connection to the world um, increases and becomes better and, 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 and puts the, the chemistry in a different kind of like realm. That's my comment. I love it. Thank you. Beautiful. Any Anybody other else? thoughts, comments? As Rabbi Feinstein says, is anybody else? Well, we had a question that didn't have to do with your learning, but had to do with continuing to learn with you. Um, people want to know how they can be part of your Kabbalat Shabbat services from afar. Uh, well, um, uh, why don't you send an email to navatihila.org? Uh, no, navatihila at gmail.com, sorry. And can you write it? Uh, yeah. Uh, can you write, you know, so people don't know how to spell navatihila. No extra H's, no extra L's. First <laughs> word with four letters, second but, one with five. There are H's and L's, just no extras. <laughs> Yeah, just just one. Navatilai.gmail.com and ask to join, said, uh, join international list. We have a, a following uh, coronavirus. Uh, we, um, we have created an online um, uh, listserv that actually we tell people about the things that we do online, not the things that we do in Israel. And we actually, this weekend, uh, this Friday, we will have a Kabbalah Shabbat from the train station in Jerusalem. Uh, it's part of like a cross-Jerusalem uh, communities uh, um, doing things. This is like more like with a stage and with microphones and stuff. And two weeks later, we will have a more intimate uh, Kabbalah Shabbat in the Nature Museum Garden. So you join and we would, you, would, you would be notified. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Yes. Um, so if there are no other questions or comments, um, I just, I just want to add something because I think this is, it's actually, like you said, how the, the teaching told you to teach it this morning. It's interesting how the way in which I introduced you and my relationship to you kind of informed how I heard your teaching today. Um, and one of the things that is really sticking with me is this idea of God's talit being that of light and of your teacher wearing a talit that, that draped him and others reminded of uh, his talit being that of light. And how light is something really powerful because it's not just shining on you, but it shines on others when you're, when you're in its presence. So when you're in a room that has a light on, it's not just for one person, it's for everybody. And so I think that learning these attributes as a way that we need to interact with one another, and therefore God actually mirrors our 
our relationships, our interactions with other people is something that you have gifted the world in your music and in the way that you teach Torah um, that I'm a beneficiary of. But I just wanted, I'm so glad that all of these other people also got to learn from you and have that as part of their lives now because that light just really spreads far and wide. And I, I love thinking of that as a talit that you wear, that you that you shine out to everyone. So thank you so much. Thank and uh, really just a pleasure to have you. And I hope this is just the first of many times that we get to learn with you. Um, thank you. It's been a wonderful uh, to get your morning into my night. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Bekol HaOlamot in all the world. And Kol uh, uh to you and the temple for creating this little learning uh, marathon. And Laila Tov for you and Boker Tov yes. for everyone else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.